So, in history, there are well-known facts and well-known fictions. Now, these both come together to create a good story, a good narrative, a good basis or a theme for a work of art or a movie or a book or something of that matter. Now, these all came together and formed one. They became the movie 300 and other movies like it. Other epics that have been written over time, like Homer's Iliad, Homer's Odyssey, all that sort of stuff. Even uh, even some George R. R. Martin stuff, The Game of Thrones, uh, that's based off history. Not art history, but some sort of history. Now, you must distinguish what's fact and what is fiction in history. Now, the fact of this time is, at the Battle of Thermopylae, was that Greece was a collection of hundreds of city-states. Most of them were divided and often at war with each other. The Corinthians fought the Athenians, the Corinthians fought the Spartans, the Corinthians fought everyone, the Aegeans. Everyone fought each other at least once or twice. There were no permanent allies. There were no unified nations. The closest thing to that was Thebes. They didn't handle that too well. Sparta was a militaristic oligarchy, which was like a little council of men who led the country together. At this time, they had two kings, a dual kingship, one being more civil and one being more warlike. Every Spartan man was expected to fight to the death for their nation, and if they did not return victorious or with their shield, they would be shamed by the entire nation. Spartans largely used slaves called helots to do more menial, menial tasks, and sometimes they used them to fight. Athens was the other powerful city-state at this time, helping to form a coalition which was led by the two city-states to fight against the Persian threat. Persia, at this time, was a unified empire under the control of Xerxes. The Persians had covered the land of Greece for quite a while and had attacked earlier during the First Greco-Persian War. The Persians had a few causes bad eye. The Athenians had supported the Ionians in their rebellions. The First Greco-Persian War, which ended in disaster, for the Persians as well as the battle at the Battle of Marathon and the offer of earth and water where the Persian envoys were sent to all the Greeks uh, demanding their vassalage. But these one, uh, the ones sent to Sparta and the ones sent to Athens were executed. The Spartans threw theirs in a well and the Athenians threw theirs in a gorge. And the Athenian siege and destruction of the city Sardis, which is on the Ionian coast. Sparta? was in most times led by its two kings, the greater of the two here being Leonidas, who you hear about more often. They had been demanded to surrender their land and water to the Persians, and in response, the envoy was placed in a well. In 481 BC, a coalition of Greek city-states was formed to fight against the Persian threat, Sparta and Athens being the chief ones among them. The Spartans and others had agreed to defend hot gates against the Persian threat. However, at this time, the festival of Carnea was taking place. Now, this had been the same festival that stopped the Spartans from arriving at the Battle of Marathon earlier and had let the Athenians to fight by themselves and win the battle with great casualties. During these festivals, no fighting was allowed at all. It was their break from it, as you could say. It was decided, however, due to the threat that the Aeneidas would take 300 Spartans of the Royal Guard to join the other Greeks at the pass. Now, this force had to collect Greek volunteers in every city state that stopped by. They would collect some in Megaris, they would collect some in Thebes, Thespia, Locris, all the places. And if they did not join, then they were 
outcasts and they didn't were not real Greeks, they sided with the Persians. Now, Persia, or the Achaemenid Empire, had long coveted the Greek lands and had attacked earlier under the reign of King Darius. His son, Xerxes, had the same aspirations. He had sent envoys to every Persian, every Greek nation. Persia, or the Achaemenid Empire, had long coveted the Greek lands and had attacked earlier under the reign of King Darius. His son, Xerxes, had the same aspirations. He had sent envoys to every Greek nation, demanding their vassalage to the Persian Empire. In their Zoroastrian, Zoroastrian terms, their earth and their water. Athens and Sparta put their envoys to the death. And as part of legend, it is said that the Athenians had told them to dig out the earth and water for themselves. Now the Spartans, however, atoned for their crime. And they sent two volunteers out of the Spartan army to the Persian capital of Susa for execution. Persia gathered an army of their own kind, Phoenicians, Greeks, and all the men they could muster. They marched through Thrace and Macedonia to head for the rest, resisting city-states and force them to bend the knee. Now, the Spartan force was reinforced by another 7,000 Greeks along the way to their hot gates. As Leonidas reached the hot gates, he sent the Phocian forces to work building fortifications and stationing 1,000 of them to defend a gap that could be used to flank the Spartan and Greek armies. The Persians demanded the surrender of arms and in return would grant freedom, titles, and more arable land to the Greeks. However, the laconic response, Moran Lobe, was issued, meaning come and take them. In total, it is estimated that the force is at least 5,200 strong and at most 7,700 strong. The Persian force is made up of Persians, Medians, Elamites, Parthians, Arians, Bactrians, Sogdians, Quasaramians, Zarangians, Satagadians, Ganhadran, Hindush, Scythians, Babylonians, Assyrians, Arabians, Egyptians, Armenians, Cappadocians, Lydians, Ionians, Scythians, Thracians, Macedonians, Libyans, Ethiopians, and other Greeks. The army is led by Xerxes and Mordonius, who would later engage the Spartans again at the Battle of Plataea. The Persian army is at least 70,000 strong and at most 2,641,610 strong. By some estimates, it is considered to be larger than this, but that those claims have been denied. Xerxes attacked the Greek forces five days after his arrival at the pass. He ordered 5,000 of his archers to harry the Greek forces, but this had no great outcome. The, per the Greeks had blocked most of their arrows in a shield formation, or a phalanx. He then sent a force of 10,000 to force the Greeks into submission, but they were slaughtered. He then sent the immortals into battle, but they fared just as well as the first wave. The second day fared just as poorly as the first until a man named Ephelitis of Tracius betrayed his countrymen and let the Persians know of the secret pass. Xerxes promptly sent 20,000 immortals and other men under the command of Hydarnes to flank the Greek forces. In the third day of battle, Hydarnes and his men passed through and went past the Philkian forces after they had formed a defensive position on a nearby hill because they had thought that the Persians would engage them instead of continuing. They had no intimate knowledge that the Persians knew the pass as well. When the Greeks had learned that they'd been surrounded, Leonidas gave them the offer to leave. 
And so, only 2,000 Greeks remained to fight. The Spartans, Thespians, and Thebans stayed behind to form a rear guard to defend the retreating Greeks. All these men knew that death were certain for them, and the Persians sent another force of 10,000 men, and the Greek force was destroyed, with the Thebans surrendering and the rest fighting to death. The Thespians had an intimate history of staying until the death, and the Thebans, it is claimed, were commanded to stay as they were deemed untrustworthy, since most of them had sided with the Persians. Now, there are some elite forces which are considered in the battle here, the first being the Immortals, which were a force of heavily armed infantry soldiers that maintained a constant strength of 10,000 men. When a man in the force died, he was immediately replaced, hence the term Immortal. It is also believed that the term for companion might have been misread or mistranslated as the word for Immortal. This force was the proper army of Persia, existing as a permanent military force and not a militia rallied at the last moment. Leonidas believed that certain death awaited all those who marched with him to Thermopylae. And so he brought with him 300 Spartans of the Royal Guard. These men were elite and trained hoplites. Leonidas had made sure that each of the men had had sons to further uh, make sure that their deaths were not in vain, to make sure that a son had succeeded their fallen father. Two men were found unable to participate in the battle. Eurytus, who returned to the battle after being sent home and died there, and Aristodemus, who did return home and was deemed a coward, but he later fought at Plataea and died there. Now, the original plan for the Greeks was to have a force at Thermopylae, led by the Spartans, to hold off the Persian land forces and to have the Greeks at Artemisium, led by the Athenians, to hold off their naval forces. Now, Athens had brought 127 ships, and along with these 127 ships, multiple Greek city-states had also brought along their own ships. Sparta being one in Trozen, a city where Athenian refugees had gathered en masse in, in case of a complete failure by their forces. Now, this totaled to 279 ships uh, with 271 triremes, which are the normal-sized uh, warships of this time, and eight pentaconters, which would be smaller-sized ships uh, fit for battle. The Persians had a total of 1,207 ships, Phoenicia bringing the most, along with Egypt. However, it is said that it is most likely that the Persians could only realistically field 600 in the, in the Aegean Sea. The Persian fleet had been rocked by storms and harsh winds prior to the battle, but they decided that this battle would be easily won and went to engage the fleets. However, the Greeks had created a superior crescent formation to confuse the Persian forces, and so they did, and they sunk 30 ships from this uh, movement. Another detachment of the Persian fleet would be sunk off the coast of Aboia due to a storm. On the next day, coinciding with the second day of Thermopylae, Artemisium and Thermopylae were happening at the same time. It is often said that it was, well, we'll see in a point later where it coincides with two other things. The Persians refused to engage and attempted to fix their, their ships uh, so they were seaworthy, whilst the Athenians were reinforced by another 53 ships. The Greeks also destroyed a detachment of Sicilian ships. The third day held out as, a more, uh, as more of a tie between the two forces, which was not acceptable for the greatly outnumbered Greek fleet. After hearing of the defeat at the hot gates, the Greeks retreated. The best fighters of this battle were largely thought to be the Athenians, and the Egyptian. Now, following Artemisium, 
the Greek fleet will retreat to Salamis off the coast of Athenian waters, where the Persian force would follow them, hoping to destroy the fleet for once and for all. However, due to the landscape and the superiority of Greek seamanship and the amount of Persian ships at the battle, the battle was a decisive Greek victory. Xerxes, after this, had decided to retreat with much of his force back to Persia, leaving a general called Mardonius in command. He was engaged at a place called Plataea, where he met 10,000 Spartan hoplites, 8,000 Athenians, and many more Greeks, tallying up to 38,700 men. It is said that there were anywhere from 40,000 Persians to 100,000 at the battle. What can be said of the battle is that the Spartans got their revenge against the Persian force, and it stopped any further progression made by the Persians by land. Yet again, another naval battle ensued at the same time at Mycale, where the allied Greeks managed to destroy most of the remaining Persian navy. This would mark the end of the Second Greco-Persian War and the Persian threat to Greece for a long while. And soon enough, Greece would become a threat to Persia itself. And all of you know of Alexander the Great, who then, well, people will claim that he is not exactly a Greek, that he is a Macedonian, but he does have Greek blood and he has the claim to it. That was the Macedonian Empire, not the Greek Empire. Now, as we can see here, this battle was not in vain. Thermopylae was not in vain at all. It had given the Greeks time to gather forces at Carnea, uh, after Carnea, and it had gave them time to uh, deal with the Persian fleet, which really helped win the war. If the Persians had not been defeated at Salamis, then this war would be lost, in my opinion. Because Xerxes would have kept attacking with his large force of Persians, but instead he decided to retreat with his men. Leonidas and his men gave a really great last stand, or first stand, would you call it, since there, it was a battle that took place in five days. So I guess it's the last stand of Thermopylae, or the Hot Gates, and it is the first stand of the war, along with uh, Artemisium. Now, uh, what many people miss... When they think of Thermopylae, they miss of the uh, they miss the seven thousand other Greeks who had supported Spartans during the battle, the Thespians, the Thebans, the Phocians, the Corinthians, everyone. All that is remembered is three hundred Spartans. When in turn, it wasn't even three hundred; it was two hundred ninety-nine or two hundred ninety-eight, depending on whether you count Eurytus as a blind man. Would you count him as a soldier? Now, it is important to remember that. The movie 300 is based off a comic series. But it is also important to remember that history often has more fiction than fact in it. Going back to the early periods of time, uh, there are more fables and tales and legends than there are actual history, as no one really wrote anything down, and it was passed down through oral tradition. Now, uh, really, the Battle of Thermopylae would be held in high esteem for thousands of years. It would always be looked back to as this great battle where courageous men fought to the death against a, a large horde of enemy ships, or a large horde of enemy soldiers, and, and it would be attributed to many more battles after, like some battles in the in the future, or in our modern era, would be referred to as a Thermopylae of our time, or a Thermopylae of their time, while this is the Thermopylae of Thermopylae's time, while this is the fact behind the fiction, while this is the truth behind the lies.